join founder of I Am a Watchman Ministries, Scott Townsend, with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View from the Wall. Welcome to today's episode of A View from the Wall. I'm Dylan Burroughs, along with I Am a Watchman founder Scott Townsend, and we're talking today with Nathan Jones. Nathan Jones serves as an evangelist and web minister at Lamb and Lion Ministries, one of today's leading prophecy ministries, and we're excited to have him here with us today. Nathan, welcome to A View from the Wall. Well, thank you, Dylan. I so appreciate being on. Yes, and for our listeners who may not be familiar with you or your ministry you work with, tell us a little bit about your work with Lamb and Lion Ministries. Certainly, certainly. Well, I'm glad you got it as Lamb and Lion Ministries. Sometimes it's been called Lion and Lamb Ministries. Sometimes it's been called <laughs> Lemon and Lime Ministries. Someone <laughs> once actually called it the Lion Lamb Ministries. Uh, so we get a lot of names, but uh, most people know us from our television program, Christ in Prophecy, which is now on its sure. uh, 17th season on most of the major networks like Daystar and his channel. I'm co-host along with our founder and director, Dr. David Reagan. And here at Lamb and Lion Ministries, my primary role is internet evangelist. So like you guys, I have a great passion for reaching out for people all over the internet with the good news and the message of the soon return of Jesus Christ. And folks can check us out on our website at christinprophecy.org. Yeah, I've been following and I've also met uh, Dr. Reagan a couple times now. He's just an amazing guy. Uh, we could probably fill the entire show actually with what it's like to work with such an amazing man of God and uh, all the different ways in which he's been reaching out and trying to push for the kingdom. It's amazing, really. Uh, Nathan, uh, we minister to watchmen around the world, as you know, most of whom are mature Christians. They follow Bible prophecy and are familiar with signs of the times. More and more, we hear phrases like, be ready for his return and live like Jesus is going to return today or even finish well. Those sound very inspiring, but what do they actually mean? How can a watchman or any Christian live like Jesus' return is imminent? Oh, that's an excellent question, Scott, and I think Jesus answered that in Luke 21, verses 34 through 36. Luke 21, uh, along with Matthew 24 and Mark uh, 13, which are parallels, was Jesus' great end-time message about what would be happening in the future. And this is how he ended. He said, Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap, for it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole earth, be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. And Scott, I get uh, five different applications out of that. Uh, one is Jesus telling us that live holy lives, avoid sinning. You are Christian examples. You should not be living lives of sin, but living lives of holiness. Two, we're to keep watch. Uh, that's why I love the title of your all's ministry, Watch Men. Yes, we are supposed to be keeping watch of what the Lord is doing and is soon return. We're supposed to be expecting the return of our King. Three, we're supposed to pray to escape evil. We definitely live in evil times. I'm sure you agree. And as Christians, it's okay. We, can, we don't have to endure the evil if the Lord is willing to rescue us. So let's pray to escape evil times or be a light during that time. Number four, let's hope for the rapture. Jesus Christ promised he will return to take up his church up to heaven one day, and we should have that as our blessed hope. And uh, number five, if you haven't accepted Jesus, now's the time. Do it before he returns 
accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Yeah, that's an excellent list of items there, Nathan. And one thing that I'd like to follow up on is it seems to me like so many people, just uh, your average Christian, let's just say, they don't really understand you know, the implications of being the bride of Christ and the demand for us to prepare and be holy and to work on witnessing and to finish strong in this sense. What, what are your observations about the readiness of the Church to be the bride of Christ? Well, I mean, if you look back into the 90s, especially when the Left Behind series was big, uh, Hal Lindsey's book, of course, from the 70s on, the Jesus Movement pretty much in the 70s and the uh, through the 80s and 90s, the churches were excited about the soon return of Jesus Christ. But when they thought soon, they thought like, you know, in the next year or so, and it didn't happen. And we've seen over the last 10, 15 years that churches have kind of given up on the idea that Jesus Christ is coming back, which is tragic. And they're starting to adopt a view which pretty much died back in World War I, but it's resurfaced, and that's post-millennialism. This idea that the church will continue to get bigger and bigger and eventually conquer the world, so to speak, and save the world. And then Jesus comes and we hand the keys of the kingdom over to him, which you know, is totally an unbiblical view. So uh, the great. churches have been left with no passion for the return of Jesus Christ. And we've uh, lamented with other ministries like Jan Markell and, and Billy Crone and others who have seen over the years the interest in the churches and the seminaries greatly waning away from the passion of, of the topic of the soon return of Jesus Christ. And as you guys know, it, it's a real crime when you think that pastors are denying their congregations the third of the Bible that is Bible prophecy, because it will do two things for you. If you, if you know Jesus is returning, you'll live a holy life, and you'll have, two a passion for evangelism. And when you don't have those, you become lethargic in your faith. Well, that's a good way to put it. And I'm curious what you think of this view that you stated just a moment ago, this idea that prophecy and evangelism go hand in hand. And as we see the focus on prophecy lowered in the church, we also see a tendency for evangelism to take a lesser role in the church. What have you seen in your observations today? Well, uh, a pastor friend of mine, he's also a co-author of a book uh, he and I wrote together. We were actually lamenting this very question and uh, pondering it together last week. We were talking, and he said that he's, and I was shocked, that he's tired, actually, of the churches being so focused on Christian living. Every He's an adult education minister, and all the material he gets from Lifeway and, and Standard and all these other publication houses are focused on Christian living. They're focused on the here and now. Well, what happens when you focus on just your your life or just your surrounding area? You you get a very, very narrow view of God's overall purposes and plans and overall movement that he's doing in the church. You become self-focused rather than outward-focused. Now, when you study Bible prophecy, you get the big picture. It's like you're standing up on the mountain, you're at 30,000 feet, and you're looking out, and you get the big view across the valley, and you can see all that's going on. And that's what Bible prophecy gives us. It helps us understand where we fit into God's bigger plan, and therefore, knowing that Jesus is returning, we're excited about holy living, and we're excited about telling as many people as we can, as quickly as we can, that their king is coming back for them. 
Well said, Nathan, and it reminds me so much of 2 Corinthians 4.18 that tells us we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And as we focus on the eternal aspects of God's Word about Bible prophecy, what the future holds, the coming of Christ, we become more eager to share our faith and to live it out in practical ways. And it's true Christian living in my mind, not just the here and now, but the things that matter for eternity. Thank you for the focus on that. And when we come back in just a moment for our next segment. We want to talk more about this issue and some other topics we have with Nathan Jones. So stick with us here on A View from the Wall. We'll be right back. Welcome back to A View from the Wall. We're talking with Nathan Jones from Lamb and Lion Ministries. And Scott, we want this segment to include a discussion of prophecy and its role in the local church. So to start us off in this segment, talk about this topic for a moment, Scott. Sure. Lamb and Lion has been involved in teaching Bible prophecy since the 80s. You've seen the church wrestle with delivering Bible prophecy-based content. Most churches are unsure how to tackle the subject. Many speakers and writers, for instance, are all too eager to emphasize the many shortcomings of the church in today's environment. But at least for now, the church remains God's primary hands and feet and voice on the earth. Like Lamb and Lion, I Am a Watchman is a local church-supporting ministry. We want to see churches succeed in all areas of their witness, including the teaching of end-time subjects and the gospel. We hear a lot about apostasy creeping into the church and what's wrong with the church. So let me ask you, Nathan, how can watchmen support their church that is teaching the whole counsel of God, including Bible prophecy? And conversely, for those who may not attend that kind of church, how can they encourage their pastor to discuss end-time subjects? Well, that's an excellent topic. Uh, As we said in the last segment, we can see that the churches have been wandering away from the speaking of Bible prophecy. Uh, pastors are overwhelmed with the amount of social uh, upheaval that is going on in the country, and they're very focused on that, and rightly so. I mean, there's a lot pastors have to deal with. They, unlike us parachurch ministries, which come alongside and help churches, you know, they have to deal with everything: divorce and homosexuality and and addictions, and you know, there's a lot that pastors need to do. And so they tend to be more topical in their speaking and then focus on Christian living messages. Whereas if you're a church denomination, say the Calvary Chapel movement, for instance, when you preach by verse by verse, then you let the Bible speak for itself and cover those different ideas. And I think that's where we've kind of wandered away from the teaching of Bible prophecy, because when you focus on particular topics, you tend to then not cover what the verses in completion have to say. So, for instance, if you've got 31% of the Bible that's Bible prophecy, and you're constantly uh, speaking from the book of Philemon, for instance, you're not covering Bible prophecy. You're not letting the Bible speak for itself. And I think that's one of the the things that's really affected the church, is we've moved from a verse-by-verse teaching of the Bible to a more topical, and therefore we are leaving out all the prophecy that's intertwined. I mean, when you think about the second coming of Jesus Christ, there are 500 verses in the Old Testament, and one in 25 verses in the New Testament prophesy the uh, second coming of Jesus Christ. So 500 prophecies and one in 25 verses in the New Testament all prophesy the return of Jesus Christ. So if you're reading through the Bible, you pick up on those themes, and unfortunately we're not picking them up because we're not reading them. 
That's a good way to talk about it. And if I understand you right, it sounds like what is really needed in churches is a healthy diet of Scripture, not just one topic or one subject, but the entire counsel of Scripture. And as you mentioned, when you do that, you run into Bible prophecy a lot. And I love what Lamb and Lion Ministries is doing in the area of prophecy. And I want people to know a little bit about some of the resources people can find through your ministry. Can you let us know a little bit about what people can find at your ministry when they're looking for more on prophecy for their church? Well, certainly. Uh, like you said, we come alongside churches. You're, you're right. Churches are the hands and feet, Scott, of, of the body of Christ right now. We are supposed to support the churches. It, it pains me when Christians abandon the church and just watch you know, stuff online, watch materials or, or speakers. You know, we're meant to be part of a body of Christ that, that moves. But uh, where we see areas that are lacking, we come alongside and we offer our services in the way of teaching Bible prophecy. Hey, you might be a pastor and you might throw up your hand and say, I don't understand all of this book of Revelation. But you can call us and we'll come in and do a conference or a Sunday service or whatnot and we'll explain it. And therefore we can come along and help pastors do their jobs while we cover the subjects that they don't feel well informed about covering or comfortable covering. You know, we kind of implied or maybe danced around something. I'd just like to to spend just a second on it. You know, this lack of focus on uh, Bible prophecy and the implications of preparing uh, for end times really has created this gap of the social gospel. It's not the fact that we have a lack of responsibility for social causes, but to let that be primary, in, in other words, even above the gospel and what we need to do in today's environment here. Uh, that That is where I think we err in churches many times right now. What is uh, your observations about the social gospel and its implications for end times living? Well, that is huge. Uh, let me use my father as an example. He sold books and Bibles for major publishers like Zondervan and Oxford and other companies from the 70s up until about five, six years ago. In the 70s, when he went to a bookstore, he would be able to sell commentaries and study Bibles and all sorts of really heady material. The people loved it. They wanted it. They got into the Bible. They studied you know, at the 400 level. But as the years went on, the level of Bible teaching became simpler and simpler to be more seeker-sensitive. We turned our church services, which were at the edification of believers, to outreach events trying to get new people in, which has its benefits. But as the years went on, the materials that the bookstores held became more devotional until the end when he retired, it was almost all gifts. So as the churches became more seeker-sensitive, more social gospel-oriented, they traded the intellectualism of the Bible for the emotionalism of the Bible. If you don't want to study the Bible, then you feel the Bible. And how do you express the feeling of the Bible? The social gospel. And I think it's been a tremendous disservice because Christians have no idea why they believe what they believe. They have replaced the, the, the message, the Great Commission, about going out and leading people to Jesus Christ, about salvation-oriented, to being needs-oriented, which is temporary. And it's gutted the church of a lot of its understanding of who their Savior is. That's so well said, and I hear people a lot of times talk about being the hands and feet of Jesus, and rightly so. We are called to serve people in practical ways, but I always try to remind people that when you are the hands and feet of Jesus, it also includes teaching the same teachings of Jesus. So we talk about the Sermon on the Mount, for instance, helping the poor, helping the sick, but we also talk about the true gospel of Jesus Christ and what that means for our lives today. So there, there is this 
tension, I guess you could say, of doing things that help people with their here and now issues and problems and concerns, but also pointing them toward what is of the greatest importance, that Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, and therefore his focus was on eternal matter so much of the time. Uh, Tell us just a little bit about some of the things you see churches doing right today in our culture on this area. Well, churches are, again, scrambling against a society that is changing hostile towards Christianity. And they're circling their wagons. Uh, for the last 20 years, we've became, or since the moral majority in the 80s, we've become the church of no, and uh, that's how our impression is to the unbelieving world. And so they're trying to turn that around and making us a church of yes. Now, not hopefully yes as in we accept sin, but yes as we accept people where they're at and we're giving them the gospel. So I see that as a great positive change. Um, I see pastors finding that the seeker-sensitive movement has not served them well, and they're anxious to get back into the Bible. And I think we will see a resurgence of interest in Bible prophecy again. And certainly, as we see events, the signs of the end times play out, that's when we get the most interest in our ministry, especially election times. Oh my goodness, everybody wants to know, oh no, the end of the world. (laughs) And so they're checking out, they're trying to find out what's going on and how it's related to the Bible, especially events in the Middle East and Israel. So, uh, you know, every subject seems to have its day, every dog has its day, and the Bible prophecy will return definitely. But for now, it's all part of the Church of Laodicea that that Jesus said and prophesied would be the final form of the end-time church, a church that's wealthy and has it all, but they've gotten very apathetic in their faith. Well, very powerful words, Nathan, and I'm excited to hear more. We'll be right back in a moment on A View from the Wall. Stick with us. Welcome back to A View from the Wall, and we're talking with Nathan Jones from Lamb and Lion Ministries. And Scott, lead us in this session as we talk about this new book that we have from Nathan to discuss with our viewers. Nathan, in your book, 12 Faith Journeys of the Minor Prophets, which I believe you released uh, about two years ago. Isn't that true? 2016, yes. Yep, good. You cover themes uh, beyond what most uh, people think of when you think, quote, Old Testament prophets, unquote. Some believers may not know those prophets wrote about more than just about judgment, death, and destruction. Tell our listeners more about the book and what 21st century watchmen can learn from one of these prophets who lived nearly 2,500 or more years ago. Oh, certainly, certainly. Well, yes, uh, the book that I co-wrote with Pastor Steve Howell is 12 Faith Journeys of the Minor Prophets. And when I first recommended or made a proposal to Dr. Reagan about writing this book, he said, who would want to read a book about the Minor Prophets? Why are you interested in the Minor Prophets? And I didn't have a really spiritual answer for him. What I had is that at the top of the stairs, my, my office here at Lamb and Lion is at the second floor, and at the top of the stairs is this tiny three-foot little door. And somebody before my time had scribbled a little message over it and stuck it on there that said, Minor Prophets. So it was a little door, little minor prophets. And I always wondered, what was behind that door? And it was for years I'd walked by that door. <laughs> Finally, I, I looked in it, and it was the attic. It was dusty. It was dingy. There was some mold. And I thought, you know, most people look at the minor prophets section of the Bible like an attic. It's dusty. It's dingy. It's dirty. It's all wrath and judgment and gloom and doom, like you said. Why would anybody read that? And I thought, no, 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 no. That's not the, the case at all. When you read through the minor prophets, 
They're about faith. These men were people just like us. They weren't super saints. And they had challenges to their faith that they had to overcome and grow in the relationship with Jesus. And so Steve and I were like, you know, we need to write a book about the minor prophets because we can learn about how to grow in our faith by learning how the minor prophets grew in their faith. That's an excellent recap, and I'll remind our listeners that we will drop the link to that video where uh, I believe Dr. Reagan and you and Steve were talking about the book at that time. It was fascinating, and uh, we'll be sure to refer our listeners to that. Well, praise the Lord. Yeah, you can find uh, the book on our website at ChristandProphets.org and on Amazon. We have so offered in Kindle. Thanks for that. We'll be sure to include those links as well. We have watchmen and watchwomen in over 130 countries following uh, a view from a wall, and many more, of course, follow the uh, Lamb and Lion Ministries. If you could speak directly to those watchmen, what message do they most need to hear in 2019? That's an excellent question. As 2019 came in, I was thinking, you know, what should I focus on this year? And I believe it's keep the faith. Uh, Habakkuk 2.4 says, the just shall live by faith. And as you guys being watchmen see, you know, it's a mess out there, and it's growing steadily scarier and scarier every day. And so the Christians need to keep the faith. We need to trust that Jesus Christ will fulfill his promise. He said it three times in Revelation 22. I'm coming back soon. I'm coming back soon. I will return. He is coming back and live a life in the meantime of Christian holy living and evangelism. And that's well said. I think of John 14, where Jesus talks about going away to prepare a place for his people and then promising to come back again. Jesus did not leave on a one-way ticket. He's preparing his return still today, preparing to come back for those who believe. And it is important, like you said, to be prepared for his return, as well as to be sharing the gospel with others. I know in looking at your website, Nathan, that you have all of these resources that people can use to prepare for their own personal study in Bible prophecy at ChristInProphecy.org. And I saw one recently called, Why Do I Believe in a Pre-Trib Rapture that you wrote that's on your website? Tell us just briefly, when you're talking with people about what the pre-trib rapture means, tell us how you communicate that to people. Well, we go to the verses in 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians 4, where Jesus promised that he would return to take the church up to be with him in heaven before he pours out his wrath upon the world in a seven-year tribulation time period, which we just call the tribulation. Now, some people say, well, the rapture happens in the middle or it happens at the end. But uh, like you said, I wanted to know for sure why did I believe that the rapture happens pre or before the tribulation, so in that article, I put 11 different proofs that convinced me that the rapture of the church will happen before God pours out his wrath upon the world. That's such a good resource. I know our listeners would like to have. If they go to ChristInProphecy.org, they could find that one. It's inbox number 21, Why Do I Believe in a Pre-Trib Rapture? And that's just one of many resources they'll find there. We only have a couple moments left here, Nathan. If you would, tell our listeners some more about the resources they could find on your website and what they can get from Lamb and Lion Ministries to help them in their walk with God and their prophecy studies. Well, I think the biggest outreach our website at CrestonProphecy.org will have is after the rapture, as people seek and wonder why all those people disappeared. But for the meantime, we're trying to reach people before Jesus Christ, and we're trying to edify the church. And we offer quite a number of resources 
Those include our television program, Christ and Prophecy. We have almost 17 years' worth archived there. We have podcasts. We have an e-newsletter that goes out every other week. You can sign up for it. It's free. we got our bi-monthly Lamplighter magazine you can download. If you want to join our Facebook groups or follow us on Twitter, we have those as well. We can speak with other like-minded Christians. And, we, of course, we have an online store. for. We have tons of DVD teaching materials, books, charts, CDs, you name it. We want people to get educated and excited about Jesus Christ and grow in their faith. And so we offer many of these resources for free and hope people will check them out. Well, that's wonderful. Scott, I know we've both enjoyed this time with Nathan. Why don't you give us just a little final word here before we wrap up with him today, just about your thoughts on his ministry and Bible prophecy. Well, I, as I've gotten to know Nathan a little bit, mostly through email and appearing and, and uh, just interacting just a bit at the conferences, I have to say that uh, I'm just absolutely a big fan of yours, Nathan. You and the entire team at Lamb and Lion, you guys are really pushing hard for the kingdom right now. And I absolutely love what you said about post-rapture saints and what our artifacts are going to mean in terms of helping to direct people to Christ when that great panic uh, ensues after the rapture. So, well done, and I cannot wait to see you on one of the next uh, conferences there. And by the way, I looked at your conference schedules. When is your next annual conference going to be? That is mid-July, July 13th and 14th. We're focusing on apologetics. Of course, we'll have Dr. Reagan as a speaker, but we'll have experts like Ron Rhodes, Eric Barger, Mike Gendron, and others. Uh, we'll have music, special music by Marty Getz. Uh, registration's open now. It fills up fast. In the first week, we already had 350 people registered. So, folks, if you want to come to our conference here in Dallas, please do register. If not, we're going to offer it live streaming, and you can watch it from your home or church as well. Well, you've heard it here. And again, we thank you, Nathan, for being with us. If you'd like more about this event or other resources, see ChristandProphecy.org or click on the links below where you're listening to this podcast. We want to encourage you to go to IamAWatchman.com as well and subscribe to our email for all the latest. And you can also subscribe to us on YouTube or our podcast on SoundCloud.com. Thanks again and join us next time on A View from the Wall. A View from the Wall, in association with I Am a Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time on A View from the Wall.